Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Today's show is being recorded here in the luxurious Sully Baseball studios on the 15th day of December. 2017. The winter meetings have wrapped up. Uh, Miami no longer has a major league team, but they will be playing major league teams on their schedule as they continue to tear their team apart in exchange for a can of Sprite and tickets to Broadway shows that are not Hamilton. We are going to be talking today about the National League East because I am fascinated by it as a division, and I'll break down the reasons why. There's going to be a slight bias on today's discussion, because I have a guest on today who is going to have a slight Mets bias. She is the uh, editor-in-chief of Baseball Perspective for the Mets, and she has done many other things and written elsewhere, and is a Mets expert. And I'm pleased to have, for, for the first time on the Sully Baseball Podcast, I welcome... Kate Feldman. Kate, are you there? I am here. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So, Kate, you are are you on the are you in New York today? Where are you? If I if I took a pin and put it on a, a map of exactly where you are, where would that pin be located? I'm in Palm Harbor, Florida, about half an hour away from the trough. Oh my goodness. Well there you go. All right. So you're you're smart. You're down in Florida during these uh during these months. I'm here in Pasadena where it's always wonderful. So Yeah, we got eighty degrees here today. Well there you go. There you go. And uh interesting fact, uh the state of Florida used to have a National League team. Uh there was rumors had it was called the Marlins at one point. But uh they So you you cover the Mets and you are a, a Met guru. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the show today, because I think the National League East is a strange division in terms of figuring out who they are, what they are, and what the teams are at this point. You have one team that is an overwhelming favorite, and that is the Nats. You have one team that isn't even going to be a major league team, which is the Marlins. Then you have three teams in the middle that are either in the middle of a rebuild, near the fruition of a rebuild, or what the hell are they? And the, the last category of what the hell are they happens to be the team that you are an expert on. So I can't figure out the Mets. So I wanted to bring on someone who does know the Mets to talk about them. So as we go into the 2018 season, what is your thoughts on the direction of the Mets? And is there any hope that this is a team that could be either a wildcard contender or be a surprise team in this upcoming season listen i write about the mets i don't know what the hell the mets are doing either (laughs) um the mets they tend to do this this is what they do they build a high variance team if they're healthy if they contribute if everyone stays on the field and is productive yeah i think they've got a chance at one of the wild card spots especially with there are several teardowns going on just in the national league in general if Noah Syndergaard gets hurt and misses a month, if Jacob deGrom doesn't play the whole season, if Conforto is hurt, they could very easily win 60 games. It's not going to be that bad. 
but it's going to go one of two ways. They're not going to be just a nice, solid 85-90 win team. There's very little chance that's going to happen. It's funny, going into last year, I kind of overthought things, I guess, and I picked the Mets to win the division because I thought, well, hey, wait a minute. If DeGrom, I did exactly what you just said. If DeGrom's healthy and Harvey's healthy and Syndergaard's healthy and Max is healthy and uh, Wheeler is healthy and they have a decent bullpen and they can hit, then then who knows? That, and, and I thought, and I think the, uh, the, the Nats may take a step back. And I actually picked them to win the division last year and they wound up going – um, I think they what they lost ninety three games, ninety two games, whatever it was. It, like that. Yeah, I was still writing about them, and I stopped looking at the record by about August. Yeah, but one of the elephants in the room is gone, and that is uh, uh, Collins is no longer the manager. And I, I don't know how much you blame Collins for anything, but he certainly wasn't a reason for winning on the team. No, I um, hated Collins less than a lot of people did. There was, mm. I mean, most of the problems were health. They weren't him, but he certainly didn't help the matter. Right. Right. And so we go into this year. I, I, I mean, I'm even just looking at the roster. Um, you're, you're 100% right. It's like this is a, yet another year where you're like, all right, if these guys are healthy, you know, could they – outplay Arizona or Colorado and get a wild card spot? Sure. What are the chances of this team being healthy? Or was 2015 kind of like when you when you nurture an orchid and like it blooms perfectly for just a few moments? Was that what 2015 was? Is it just happened to bloom perfectly at the right time to get a pennant and that was kind of a fluke? I think it did all fall into place very nicely. And I don't know that we're going to see that, see that happen again. But I do think they have the pieces. And if they spent a bit of money to get the rest of the pieces, they could have a complete team. And I kind of hit on the, the main issue is the issue, the question of whether they're going to spend and actually finish out the roster. Or if they're just going to go, yeah, Paul Seawall, totally fine for your seventh inning guy. This is one of the things that's so bizarre about the National League East is that the two teams that we know are not going to spend money are the ones that are in the biggest media markets. Mm-hmm. There's New York. And it drives me crazy when people call Miami a small market. Miami is not a small market. No. That is a big city and it should be a – and it's a place where players desire to live. you know. And those are the two teams that guaranteed – are not going to be spending money in the National League East. Right. At least Derek Jeter is admitting it, though. The Mets, <laughs> they pretend they're going to spend money, and then all of a sudden they just don't. Now, I have open right now um, the Baseball America, the issue that came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, where they were listing the, the top 10 prospects for each of the NL East teams. Mm-hmm. And when I'm seeing some of the players that they list, like – uh, for the Mets, uh, Andres Jimenez, David Peterson, Justin Dunn, like um, I can't even pronounce this game, guys. Thomas Zapucky. Zapucky. Yeah, yeah. the first few letters. 
Okay, yeah, this, it's, it, this is Benkevich all over again. Um, it looks like most of the players that they have in their pipeline, very few of them are going to be players that you're going to pencil in in New York for 2018. So it's not like they have, uh, you know, it's not like they have a bunch of, of prospects who are flush and ready to come up. They're not like, you know, Victor Robles – uh, is ready to go up in Washington. He's going to be their outfielder this year. You know, the chances of someone like Andres Jimenez being a starting infielder, he may get a September call-up, but these are not players who are ready to contribute in New York. Well, it, I mean, is there anyone that you look at and say, well, this is a hole that could be filled within that I'm not looking at? That's part of the problem. There's no depth. They don't even have, like, just basic AAA depth that you can call up. And that was a lot of the problem last year, too. You're looking at AAA, and the Vegas roster doesn't even have people that you can call up when Conforto gets hurt or Cespedes' legs give out on him again. And that's an issue. They haven't drafted very well. They haven't, you know, you buy these guys out of the indie leagues, and none of it's come together. So you don't have top prospects who are ready to play. You don't have AAA guys who you can call up. And so you're just you're stuck playing with a short bench most of the season, and I don't think it's going to look much different this year either, unfortunately. So I mean, I mean, you got Brandon Nemo. Is he going to? I mean, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at their roster right now. Look, and... Brandon Nemo is fine. He's a fine fourth outfielder. He's a very good fifth outfielder. He's not a starter. Yeah. He can platoon in theory. He walks. Look, he's got a good on base percentage. The kid walks a lot, but that shouldn't be one of your starters. That's not enough. Yeah. And I'm, you know, Ahmed Rosario seems to be kind of the same thing. He's a guy, I mean, he had a fine year in Vegas, but, you know, he just strikes me as a guy who, I mean, am I being harsh on Ahmed Rosario? He strikes me as, oh, here's a guy who could be a, you know, good depth. But- I really like Ahmed Rosario. Um, it's mostly the glove. The bat needs to come together a bit more. Yeah. He strikes out a lot. I'm not too worried about that. I really like Rosario. Dom Smith is the big question prospect wise. Yeah. He, he had, he had more power than anyone expected, but that's not saying a whole lot. And the glove work wasn't there, struck out a lot. And he's just, they penciled him in for their starting first baseman for the next decade. And he sure didn't look like he earned that spot in 2017. But he's, but he was. I mean, look at. I'm not trying to. You know this better than me. But I have Dominic Smith's page up here on my BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. <laughs> and he hit well in Savannah. He hit well in St. Lucie. He hit well in Binghamton and in Vegas. And he was, he was like 21 years old last year, 22. So, you know, he's. You can look at him as, yeah, he was probably rushed up and thrown into the deep end probably a little faster than he he should have been. But I I don't know if it's – I mean, look at – am I saying he's going to be the second coming of Rafael Palmero at first base? I don't know. But, I mean, he's someone that if you're going to have a year where you're not going to win, then give him a full – I would totally give Dominic Smith a full season at first base and say, here, it's your position. You know, learn it, and you, if you have a full year in the Mets, majors, the Mets think they're competing next year. That's the problem. Ugh. You look at that roster, you're going. There's no way this roster competes, but they're saying that they're going to. Well, then they're crazy. 
Well, listen, you said it, not me. So <laughs> if, yeah, if this is just a year to say, let's let the kids show us what they can do. And then if we have to buy pieces next off season, yeah, you give Dom Smith first base for a year. You see what Chris Flexen you can do. You can see what Brandon Nimmo can do. You can see if Wanagars can remember how to hit and stay healthy. But if they think they're going to compete, you really shouldn't be giving Dom Smith that much of a window to figure it all out. Yeah, I, I'm just to me there. There almost has to be. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm clearly not. I don't know if you know this, but I'm not a member of the Mets front office. But <laughs> there. Well, I know what I'm here for then. There, I mean, and and I do look at. I do understand. I do understand from this point of view. I, and 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 I guess I'll, I'll I'll play a little devil's advocate with the Mets right now. That as recently as 2005, they're in the World Series. As recently as 2016, they were hosting the wild card game, and it was no score in the ninth. Right. And that you went into and and they were a team that even I I picked them to make the playoffs last year. And everything. I mean, I did anything go right for this Mets team this year? I mean, it was it was a complete literally nothing. Literally nothing. I mean, Degrom had a fine year. That that was about it. And you know, I know that you can look in the mirror and say. But if DeGrom and Syndergaard and Max and I, – I can't even say Harvey's name anymore. To me, oh, that's no, – no. you know, I'll tell you my, my, my comparison there in a second. But it's, um, you know, that – you know, if these players do come through and, and you look at – Colorado's not a juggernaut. Arizona yeah, is not a juggernaut. yeah. You know, the wild card is winnable, but at the same time, is it worth, is it worth, you know, pushing your chips to the center of the table in a year where, you know, I, I don't know where, where you're trying to be the second wild card team. I don't know that it's going to get any easier in 2019 though, or 2020, because the division's going to get tougher. The yeah. Phillies and the Phillies are going to be there at that point. So they have a very short window, and I don't know when it's opening back up again. So I think they have to go for it this year. That's, but that's Unless the, they're going to sell off and not compete for, what, half a decade? I mean, that's a long time. Yeah. But at the same time, think about – again, I'm playing I'm, – I'm constantly playing – I'm constantly shifting my position on you, Kate. So it's for – forgive me, but I'm doing this for the purpose of discussion here. Uh, when – when they they moved into City Field after the disastrous endings of 06, 07, and 08, mm. they tried to keep that team together for a few years too long. And I, I, this is before I was doing my podcast. So everything I was doing was on the blog. I was begging the Mets, rebuild. You know, don't give the whole uh, a New Yorker won't accept the champion. You're not a champion. They'll accept a younger team. And eventually they did blow the team up. But I think they blew it up a couple of years too late. And they, the Mets are not better than the Nationals going into 2018. I would argue they're not better than the Braves. And the Phillies are, the Phillies are at least started their, their rebuilding process. So the Mets could be in a position where they could be mediocre this year and terrible in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have, I've had this debate internally with a bunch of people. And I do think sometimes they just blow it up. Also, they don't have a whole lot to blow up. That's true. 
you can get rid of Syndergaard and DeGrom, they're going to bring you back a haul. Cespedes has a no-trade clause. Conforto is hurt, and he is still swinging a bat, and he's very young, and I don't know what the heck his trade value is at this point. Other than that, what are you selling? Like, Ahmed Rosario and Don Smith are too young to sell. And Estrupal Cabrera, like, what's he bringing you back? You're right. They sold off last year, and they barely had the pieces, so there's not much to blow up is another part of the problem. What I don't remember what they got for Jay Bruce when they traded him to Cleveland. Uh, they just, I mean, they just got relievers back for everyone, for Walker, for Jay Bruce, for Addison Reed. They just got relievers who I can't remember who got who. The few that we saw were okay. You know, they have arms at work. <laughs> they didn't get anyone to write home about Right. Yeah, I mean, Bruce was a, Bruce was a post-waiver-wire uh, trade, so obviously they're not going to get much out of that. Right. Wow. So this is this is a strange. I mean, this is a strange crossroad year. Now, what now? Um, the new manager, manager Mickey, is mm-hmm. uh, is in there. Um, what is the amongst Met fans and amongst the 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 Mets universe right now? What is the thoughts of obviously we have no idea what kind of manager I just like calling him manager Mickey I just think it's a, the, the alliteration's nice um, but it's no longer Terry Collins who had I, I don't know what you thought of Terry Collins as a manager I, I was never his biggest fan as a manager but he did win a pennant for the Mets and they did go to the playoffs back to back years under his tutelage so you got to give him a little bit of credit but I don't know how much that had to do with him. And how much it had to do with the implosion of Washington in 2015, but oh, wow. but with a new manager, is there a new sort of like weight lifted off the team and a new sort of direction? What is the thought of the arrival of manager manager Mickey? Well, I don't think he can be worse than Terry, especially by the end of his tenure. I don't think Callaway can be worse than Collins was. So there is that. He's supposedly a good pitching guy, which is what the Mets are built on, if you pretend that they all have arms that still work. Yeah. His, right now, I mean, we haven't heard a lot. It's still very early in the offseason. But he keeps talking about um, not pushing the starters until the third time through the lineup, which is a nice theory. But if you look at the Mets' bullpen, that's not working. So it sounds like he has ideas. But it's an issue of his ideas working with the roster that the front office provides him. I like the idea of not seeing Matt Harvey face everyone three times. I like the idea of not seeing Matt Harvey face anyone twice. Yeah. <laughs> but that's an issue when your eighth inning guy is Hansel Robles. So yeah. it's, you know, it's a nice, it's, he's got some nice theories. And if he can manage the bullpen better than Terry Collins did, that should they have a lot of arms, but they don't really have the guys to do it with yet, which is a lot of the problem. They just bought Anthony Forzak, who I like. Yeah. He could look good. Hopefully he pitch, he pushes Paul Seawall to the sixth inning, not the seventh inning. So you're getting a bit closer. But it's, you know, it's, it's more, again, it's mostly health is so much of this team. They got rid of their... Of their training staff, which once again cannot be worse than it was. Yeah. So in theory, that should help. 
So, I mean, but but as we both said at the beginning, the you know the direction of this team is pretty much anyone's guess at this point, because you know you have, I mean, it, it, these teams don't play in a vacuum. I mean, you keep mm-hmm. in mind they're going to play the Marlins twenty some odd times. It was a nineteen times this year, mm-hmm. um, and that there are there are some real punching bags in the National League. And the idea of um, – I'm not going to crap on Colorado and Arizona, but – and Arizona – actually, Arizona is a, is, a, is a good team, obviously. I thought they were actually – I thought they were actually going to beat the Dodgers in the division series. But um, they, they're talking about maybe selling off Granke at this point. And who knows what the Rockies are. So you could look at that wild card and say it's within grasp. But that's also taken in mind that I think the Giants down year was somewhat of a fluke. And I think the Cardinals down year was somewhat of a fluke. And every year there's always one team that plays better than you think. And uh, I think that could be Atlanta. Uh, the way well, they, the, they played better than we thought they would last year, too, in the beginning at least. They faded. But at the beginning, they looked like a really competitive team. And I was getting worried when I still thought the Mets were going to be competitive. Yeah, but I think really? the, Met, they, the Braves, I think, are at least younger, and they did their teardown. Mm-hmm. And they have players who are ready to come up in the, uh, you know, who, who are, you know, I mean, Ronald Acuna is not far from coming up. You know, they have the, the pitcher whose name I can't pronounce, Luis Gohara or whatever it is. These are players who are, in ready to be called up to the majors. That's what I think the biggest, the biggest indictment on the Mets front office is the, I mean, we touched on it before, but the reinforcements are so terrible that you can't even put the hope of the future on this team. Right. They've got the low minors. They've got some prospects. Vegas, they just don't have anyone. And I was trying to pull up the roster because I've forgotten how sad it was and their website is broken. That tells you a whole lot, doesn't it? But, I mean, they just didn't... Chris Flexen, the pitcher, got called up far too early and looked terrible when he came up because he wasn't ready. But they just didn't have anyone to call up. They didn't have pitchers in AAA. They could call up for a spot start. They didn't have outfielders, which is why Brandon Nimmo was playing far more than he should have. Who's the, who's, the picture you meant, who's the picture you just mentioned who got called up way too early? Was that? Chris Flexen. Oh, right. He, I mean, you're fully excused if you've never heard of Chris Flexen. He wasn't ready. Everyone knew he wasn't ready. But he has, he was healthy, so that's why he was pitching. And that can't be how you run a baseball team. And he made nine starts. I mean, it's not, oh, like, yeah. it's not like he made like one or two spot starts in September. I mean, that's that's nine games he started over the course yeah. of a year. Yeah, and they weren't pretty. And he was—he he was, he, he was only—I mean, he was only twenty-two years old, and he started the year. Yeah, I'm, I have a page up. Holy cow! He started the year at St. Lucie. Mm-hmm. He pitched yeah. forty-eight innings in Double A before making nine starts in the majors. Right. I know people who liked Chris Flexen. Everyone knew, and you could tell just from watching that he wasn't ready to face major league pitching. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, this gives you an idea. I totally forgot Chris Flexen was a human. I forgot he was even alive. I mean, 
I'm sure they wish he wasn't too. It just, and that's, it's an, the, the depth is an indictment on the front office. Absolutely. It wasn't that, you know, the Mets had a lot of major injuries. But everyone but does. Not, everyone has major they injuries. Were not yeah, they were not prepared whatsoever for anybody to go down, let alone the entire team. Do you know what I'm thinking while, while you're saying this? Because I was actually thinking the Marlins should do this, but now I'm thinking the Mets should do this. I think the Mets should wait till, you know, the end of February when inevitably there's a ton of free agents who are just unsigned. You know, there's a, there's always this this glut of free agents. And the Mets should just invite everyone to spring training. Just get like an entire 25-man roster just invite to spring training. Say, here, you know, we'll give you a we'll we'll give you a million dollar contract if you if you make the team and like and almost have a a, a second roster that you plug into AAA because you don't want to be in a situation where you have another Chris Flexen because his stats show he's a talented pitcher, but you don't know if coming up pitching, you know, throwing, was it 14, 15 games, 14 games in the majors, nine of them for starts with an ERA of seven, eight, eight. You don't know if they bombed this kid out or not. And you exactly. And that's the concern is you called him up because you needed someone, but did you just ruin the arm of someone who actually could have helped when he was ready? Yeah. And that's why I'm like, you almost have to have a shadow team in Las Vegas. And when you think about yeah. it, that's that's not a bad thing to say, hey, look it, I know you didn't get a major league team to sign you. How would you like to live in Las Vegas, be paid, and at a moment's notice you come to New York? That's I can think of worse things to do, especially if you're someone who can't get hooked on with a team. Right. And the Mets there are there are a lot of ways that they could be better if they were creative, but they just they're very black and white, old school baseball team. And that doesn't work with the roster that they have constructed. I keep suggesting they've got, you know, 15 starting pitchers and three of them are good and healthy. They could back to back. They should be piggybacking starters. They could be the first team to do that. And I think it would work really well, but they're never going to do that. They just don't think that way. And it works if you're the Yankees and you have eight guys on your roster and five starting pitchers that are all good. The Mets don't have that, and they won't look think outside the box to make what they have work. And they're in New York. I mean, that's the thing that blows my mind. When I was I, – I, before coming down here to to Pasadena, I was living up in the Silicon Valley, and I knew a ton of Oakland A's fans. And the A's were competitive, but they couldn't keep their teams together. And part of the things you kept hearing were – well, it's a small market, it's small revenue, it's bad TV contract, it's bad stadiums. You look at a team like the Mets, they play in New York. They have a new stadium. Mm-hmm. They have a good TV deal. I mean, like, how they can't all be Bernie Madoff. You know, <laughs> there has to be a point where you start saying, we're a big market team. And not that that means be irresponsible and, you know, and, and hand out 10-year contracts left and right. But that there's got to be a mid-ground between going off and signing Albert Pujols to a contract until the heat death of the universe and what the Mets are doing, which is we don't even have players in AAA. Right. Look, should they have gotten Zach Cozart? Yeah. Should they have been in on far more of the relievers that just went off the market? Absolutely. But they won't go past two years on a reliever. They're not going to sign guys to more than two or three years. And most 
the pro the, the free agents that you want aren't going to say yes to those contracts. So of course you're not going to get them. Where the hell is their AAA team in Las Vegas? It, well, they are moving. They are finally moving after 2018. They are going to. Oh, where are they going? I forget where they're going, but they are moving to New York, upstate okay. New York. So that's finally changing. They've been trying to get out of there. That goes back to they screwed up when they were in Virginia and they lost that deal. It was a whole thing. Or, but they're finally getting out of Vegas after 2018. Yeah, because I remember because for a long, long time they were in Norfolk. And then for like a, yeah. then for like an hour they were in Buffalo. And then for like a, a, a day they were in New Orleans. And then suddenly they're in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember I was – in Vegas for, for work reasons. And it was just so strange. That it's like, oh yeah, you know, these are where the players on route to the Mets are. I mean, I'm, I'm a Boston fan and I'm used to the shuttle from Pawtucket, which is in Rhode Island and right up the, you know, right down the street from Boston or in, in San Francisco for a long time, they were in Fresno and now they're in Sacramento, which is okay. That's a close, that's close enough there, but it just always seems surreal that you have the Mets and you would think part of a AAA team is trying to build the fan base around watching the players before they go to the majors and having some sort of connection there. And doing that in Nevada was mm-hmm. just a, a smidge odd, I think. Yeah, they're going to Syracuse, which I should have remembered. Okay. But that's a lot of a problem, too. Not only is it practically impossible to get players from Vegas to New York on short notice, but also, the Vegas stat line, you know, the, the front office isn't scouting the stat line like a lot of people are, but the numbers are just, you can't do anything with it. You can't look at a slash line and say, yeah, this guy's ready, because it means nothing. <laughs> All the numbers are so inflated for the offense that I think sometimes it tricks even Sandy Alderson, whoever else is making those decisions in New York. They look at a guy and say, oh, look at these power numbers. I could probably hit a home run in Vegas. It doesn't count. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it was when for a long time the Rockies had their AAA team in Colorado Springs. And now the Rockies' AAA team is in Albuquerque. But I always thought it was smart to have their AAA team in Colorado Springs because, like, okay, let's have you get used to what it's like playing in Colorado. You're going to need this. Is, you're in for a rude awakening. It's like your AAA team mm-hmm. should be in not just geographically close to the major league team, but also, you know, climate and uh, altitude and dimensions close to what the major league team is, because you're prepping to bring them on board to the next level. Right. That, that's supposed to be the whole point of, a, of the AAA team is you're trying to send these guys one level up. That's all. And the Mets just, I mean, it's not that Vegas roster is not pretty. <laughs> I mean, there was the running joke slash everyone hated it was Tim Tebow was going to end up in New York because they had no one else. Yeah, but that didn't sound as much of a joke by like August September because there were just no outfielders on that roster, and that's crazy. I mean, that how do you get to that point when you once again you're supposed to be competing and you have no depth. Tim Tebow played last year in St. Lucie. 
Yeah, and then I moved him up. He was in, to, Col- he was in Columbia um, and then in St. Lucie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And like, I have opinions on Tim Tebow that differ from most of my colleagues because I am also a University of Florida grad, so I am devoted to Tim Tebow. Look, look at my stance on Tebow. Look at I am. I have no. Uh, I had a choice between University of Florida and Washington State University for a master's degree, and I went to Washington State. Um, but I, I have nothing, and I'm, uh, my religious views are probably not at all what Tim Tebow's are, but that being said, seems like a nice guy. I have no problem. And, and I've said from the beginning, if he can make it great, uh, if he, you know, it's one of the great things that the Mets aren't going to bring him to the major leagues to sell some uniforms. If he can actually work wow. his way up the farm system and become, what position? he's an outfielder, I guess. If he could become a major yeah. league outfielder by earning it, more power to him. Yeah, look, he probably won't be. They probably will call him up to sell some tickets. But I just don't care. And a lot of a lot of Mets fans have gotten really angry about it. I just don't care. Of all the things in Mets land to get angry about. Exactly. Exactly. Get not get angry about the fact that they're still pretending Matt Harvey is a valid you know, number three starter at this point. That one you can be mad about. You know, to get mad the fact that they went 10 and 20 in August. Yeah, it just, it was not, it was really ugly. And they're not even interesting ugly. It's not like, oh, you know, these prospects are working on some kinks. They're just a boring, bad team when they're bad. Yeah, I mean, that's why you're almost like, that's. I mean, you made a great point when I said maybe you should blow it up and you're like, what's there to blow up? I mean, there's, there's there's almost you know i'm not kidding when i said they should just look at the unsigned players and turn their las vegas team into a shadow major league team and because i'm looking at these these prospects and they they do have promising prospects in their system but you're right they're all going to be in st lucy next year and you don't want to be in a situation where you you run it you run a team up of of players who are not ready to play. It's one thing to push things. It's mm-hmm. another thing to ruin a career. Exactly. And the Mets, it always seems to, when you push the guy, you ruin his career. It never works out very well. Yeah. Do you have to... so No, I don't want to see, you know, Justin Dunn next year. I don't want to see Thomas Sipaki because they're not ready. You know, the, it's funny that um, it, 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 this is, it's a, Different example, but it's it. There's there's a lot of startling similarities between the way that Matt Harvey is. People are clinging to this image of him, and it's similar to the way that Giants fans clung to Tim Lincecum when it when it's clear that he fell off. Now, to to be fair, Lincecum's peak was back to back Cy Young awards and being the hero of a World Series. Uh, and also being mm-hmm. well, Matt Harvey is almost a hero of the world. I know. I was about too. to say the the main difference is, is Lincecum knew not to be asked to put put in the ninth. He said, "No, no, no, don't put me on the ninth. Put put Wilson out. I'm I'm good. I'm good getting the eight winning eight inning win." Um, but yeah. you almost they're they're similar in this way in that they both are kind of a they're they're both interesting characters. You know that that have that sort of you know they're not bland personalities. Um, but also mm-hmm. they represented a 
great hope for the future. For Harvey, when he came up in 2012, and he was teammates with Ari Dickey, of course, but it was like the first kind of rays of hope for Met fans post the whole collapse against the Phillies in 07 and called third strike to Beltran and all the horrible mm-hmm. feelings and made off that there finally was something positive to root for in Mets fandom. Uh, and when Lincecum came in, his first year was Bonds's last year. And there was a sense of when Bonds left, what the hell is the team now? And the team became Lincecum and to a lesser degree Sandoval. And that a few years later that they got to the World Series and they won it and Lincecum was a perennial Cy Young candidate. I don't think you can, I mean, I I saw it front row seat. I don't think you can understand how like Lincecum became the biggest star, bigger than Bonds ever was. You know, the biggest star in the Bay Area since probably Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. And when he... By 2012, when they won the World Series again, his ERA was in the fives. And by 2014, he was a mop-up man. And yet, he still got the biggest cheers because people were still loving Timmy. You know, it's Timmy time. It's, you know, he's the franchise. And I see a very similar thing with Harvey that he's not been good since that that game in 2015. He's been terrible since then. Yeah. Yeah, when he's been healthy, he's yeah. been terrible. Yeah, it's yeah. not all health. Your your ERA is over six seven. That's mm-hmm. th- that that isn't. Oh, I got an ache. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the, yeah, the health has affected it a lot. But he's just lost. I mean, he might have lost. It. I don't even know if it, he has lost it plus the injuries, or the injuries made it worse. But he's not good. I mean, you get and. I keep talking to a lot of fans and even writers. No, Harvey's healthy now. He's going to be good. I don't know what Harvey is anymore, but it's not good. And there was this rumor that he might be dealt for um, Profar, Jerks and Profar. And there, there was, there there was, I, I, I mean, I just wanted my thought on this and, you know, Profar is, again, he's no, he was another person that was thought of as this great, huge prospect. And he's, he's only played in the last, since 2013, he's only played 111 games. And last year, you know, had a brief call up and was horrible, was terrible. And yet he's only 25 and he can play a bunch of different positions. And part of me is like, look at, Harvey will probably not even be a major league pitcher this year. Why not just take a flyer and say, hey, maybe a change of scenery will do him good? That was my opinion, too. I said, yes, make the trade. Matt Harvey will probably turn into 2015 Matt Harvey again on another team. Let him have it. You know what? He's not going to be good with the mess. It's just, and that's a lot of the pessimistic fan in me. I. I think Matt Harvey's Matt Harvey Dark Knight, you know, Gotham days. I think yeah. they're over, and I don't know what they think they can get out of him. So sure, maybe Crowfar is not good anymore, but he could. There's a very good chance that even him being not good is going to be more productive for the Mets than. What Harvey. if he's me- What if Crowfar is mediocre? 
What if you suddenly have a mediocre second baseman in exchange for a player who is not it? I again, I keep bringing this this comparison up, but every time Lincecum took the mound, not only did he lose, but you could see the collective heartbreak of San Francisco fans because it's Timmy. Because you're going, come on, Timmy. Give me one more. Oh, he's getting shelled, isn't he? Oh, no. Oh, no. And there's that sense with Harvey. That is, is he going to be great again? No, no. Remove that anxiety from the team, and maybe you'll get a mediocre well, second baseman out of it. I think Giants fans are nicer than Mets fans because the Mets fans gave up on Harvey a lot. It's not, it's not even like you miss – you do miss the old man Harvey, but – I get viscerally angry every time he's on the mound because he shouldn't be on. Well, the there, there's another thing to to keep in mind though, and I, and I slyly re- referred to it earlier. Is they won with Lincecum, and in one of the right. bad and Lincecum was terrible in 2012, but he put his ego on the shelf and became a middle reliever in the postseason and actually pitched well out of middle relief and helped them win another. So Giant fans can say he played a big. He basically won the first one in 20, 2010, and he contributed to the second mm-hmm. one. He just was a mop-up man in the third one. But if they had won the World Series with Matt Harvey in 2015, there may be a different point of view. I mean, think about how Met fans talk about the 1986 players like they walk on water, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think if they had won, we're having a completely different yeah. conversation. But the Mets, as we speak, are penciling Harvey in as their number oh, three God. starter. And you just you can't do right. You can't do that. They shouldn't pencil him in. I don't like, mean to you cut just, you off. They don't mean to pencil him in number three in Las Vegas. <laughs> right. Right. He's I mean, hell, maybe try him out of the bullpen. I don't know. Is it worth a shot? Probably. But look how long it took him to give up on David Wright. I love David Wright. I will never give up on David Wright. The Mets have to give up on him. Did he? And it took him two years to say, I guess we should sign a third baseman. <laughs> and look, I love loyalty, but there's a limit. Sometimes a guy is just done. And this was this was a huge Terry Collins problem too. You just you have to know you can play the hot hand, but you have to know when it's over. Did did Wright officially retire? No, he's still playing, or play, he's still out there. He's still rehabbing. He, I hope he keeps rehabbing and on the company dime for as long as he wants to. I am fine with that. But the Mets can't pretend that he's going to show up in Flushing on April. Yeah. This. And finally, this year, this year for 2018 was the first time they said, we don't think that David Wright is going to be our starting third baseman. Good God. I mean, that's crazy. Like, how do you say it? Come Again, on. Again, I'm going to go to his, his page here. Um, the the oh, last time he played, wow. okay, he played 133 games at third in 2014. Uh, he played mm-hmm. 38 games at third the year they went to the World Series. He played 36 games in 2016. And last year, in every statistical category, I tied him. Zero games, zero plate appearances, zero <laughs> runs, zero hits, zero. Yeah. It's just David Wright 
is done. That's fine. I'm glad he keeps thinking he's coming back. I'm glad he's rehabbing. Look, he can, until he's 50, he can keep saying, guys, I'm going to be back next year. That's fine. That's his right. That's his prerogative. But we and the Mets don't have to go along for the ride with him. He's given the Mets, what, 13 wonderful seasons. A couple of years he was uh, – he had uh, top 10 MVP finishes in 2006, 2007. He probably should have won the MVP in 2007, 2008, 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, great offense, great defense. Had wound up playing on the team that lost to St. Louis um, in the League Championship Series. Hit a home run in the World Series against Kansas City uh, as 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 proud the greatest greatest third baseman in the history of the Mets. I don't think anyone could deny that, but at some point the page has to be turned. Right. And that's exactly. And they just, I don't even think it was loyalty. I think it was a reluctance to pay for another third baseman. Because they're a small market team. Right. Exactly. New York. Well, we don't pay for and, baseball here. Meanwhile, the Yankees just, you know, went outside Stanton. Cause why by the way, I, I, I've opened back up the the Baseball American article, and you're looking at third base prospect. Um, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Uh, Mark Vientos, who, pl- who played oh, – yeah. uh, uh, was a – how old is this kid? He's He's young. <laughs> Uh, and he is he's just kind of all over the infield. Uh, a promising blend of offensive upside and left of infield value, but he's four years or more away from the big leagues. That's your best answer in the farm for third base is a whole presidential term away. <laughs> right. I mean, they were playing Phil Evans at third for a while. And... Phil Evans was going to get outrighted off the 40-man because they didn't need him until they realized that he was going to become a free agent. So they added him to the 40 just to keep him around for a bit longer. They just, I mean, Gavin Cicchini is, was getting, he wasn't even getting playing time. He was a prospect. They weren't even going to let him play when the season was over in September. They still had him on the bench. They just don't have guys. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Like I say, last year I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna go through third base. Last year they had Flores, TJ Rivera. I like TJ Rivera. He th- lucked into a lot of hits, but he worked. And then he went down for Tommy John because, of course, he did. Yeah, they had Philip Evans played a few games there. Matt Reynolds played a few games there. Uh, even Travis Darno played a game at third base. <laughs> you know what that was? That was the game that he and his Yubo Cabrera kept switching positions to try to get Darno as far away from the ball as possible. Oh, that I, I, you know what? I totally forgot about that game. It was my favorite game of the year, but (laughs) that, that's by the way, can I just say that's saying something? I mean, that was, that was a total fluke. I think it was Reyes and Flores both went down with like, uh, I don't even remember, like, hip thing, something. It was a mess of a game, but it was just, it, yes, it was very refreshing. Oh, yeah, because I, I actually, yeah, it's just yeah. hysterical. Oh, my God. I, I, you know what? 
I, I, I totally forgot this game existed, but it was uh, it was against the Yankees on the 16th day oh, of God. August. And if you look at that box <laughs> score, you know how and I'm at baseball reference. When you look at the box score, and they'll have like the player's name, Juan Lajeris, center field, Michael Conforto, right field, and yet. As Drupal Cabrera says, second base, third base, 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 second base, and Darno, third base, second base, third base, second base. And it and it looks like and it's just every time they instead of just saying third base, second base, and that's it, evidently every time they switched, they have to and if you look at the play by play, like in the fourth inning, uh Darno and Cabrera switched positions. After every battle. Oh, it was amazing. Same, they were trying. Same thing in the sixth, same thing in the Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I totally forgot that this game even yeah, happened. I think Dano got one ball. I think he got one ground ball when he was at second, I think. He played it. Hold on. Let me just let it. I have to, I I have to know. It's like, it's Dirty Harry. I got to know. Um, uh, Darno made one put out. Um, and no assist. So yeah, one yeah. ball came. Down. And it was, I mean, it was just, I forgot it was during the subway series. That's even better. But it was just, that was how short staffed they were. And it became a running joke for Mets fans. They also wouldn't DL anybody. You know, they'd be running out a 24 man yeah. bench because Zubo Cabrera couldn't feel his left hand for a week, but they refused to DL him. Then it keeps going back to what I said. You have to have a phantom team in Las Vegas. You know, it it can't be prospects and it can't be people who are going to be like long term. Just a a human being with major league experience has to be ready at all time in Las Vegas to come up because you cannot have. This is the craziest thing. I mean, I, 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 I guess it slipped by me that this happened, but you can't have a game where you have to constantly move your infielders. Because you've run out of second right. baseman. It's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And they just, they were reluctant to call people up from Vegas anyway. And they didn't have anyone in Vegas. They're, they didn't have people on the major league roster. It was just, it, there, there's literally no depth in the Mets organization. This is insane. This, and, and, and that they are going through, what's truly insane is they are approaching this season. I mean, I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't, Kate, I don't mean to be pessimistic with you. You've been a very gracious guest. You've been very, you've brought a lot of knowledge here. You've you've taught me things I didn't know. And yet we're going to go, and I have no ill will towards the Mets. I would like to see them do well. But, But in the name of Wally Backman, what the heck? I, I don't know what this team is even. They're a team that can't contend and they can't right. rebuild. And they haven't drafted great recently, which also doesn't help, which is, again, comes back to part of the reason there's no death. It's just, I have no idea where they go from here. Nobody does. I don't think they know where they go from here. And the funny thing is, I mean, uh, I'm going to have on someone who's a, a, a Nats writer in the next week or so. And I think the Nats can go into this year basically lining up their playoff oh, rotation. Yeah. Oh, there's absolutely. Unless the Phillies, and the Phillies literally just today got a whole lot better. 
the Phillies are probably going to get second place in the division. The Mets yeah. are going to stay. Uh, I, I like the Braves. I think the Braves, uh, again, I don't like them to be like a 90-win team, but I think they're a team that uh, of the two rebuilding teams there, I actually like the talent that's on Atlanta yeah. right now. Based on what the Phillies did today, I have a feeling they're going to um, – Oh, what they do today? What wait? What did I miss? What they do Phillies today? The Phillies just pulled in. Um, oh, they signed Carlos Santana. Oh, yeah, they did. Look at that. This is this is breaking news for me. I yeah. did not realize that they oh, got Santana. Three years for Carlos Santana. I think they're going to flip Reese Hoskins for Manny Machado, and all of a sudden that team is oh. looking really good. Oh well, do you see? You know, I I, I did not mean. To sound uh, uh, dismissive of you, that was uh, when when I was starting to praise the Braves. Like they brought in the Phillies, just brought in Santana, who's a you know a good solid yeah. first baseman. They brought in Nishek. They brought in Tommy yeah. Hunter. That's him. Um, yeah. Yo, so I, I you know what, I, uh, Kate, I apologize. <laughs> I stand, I stand corrected. But then I didn't have all the data. You did. Yeah, I didn't no, know that. I was getting text go because for, at first the Mets were going to fight for third place. Now you're fighting for fourth place all of a sudden. So I've been getting text all day is going, oh, well, this just got a whole lot more fun. Yeah, because they, the, they have Franco, Altair, <laughs> Herrera. Um, they now have Santana. Um, Nola is not a bad pitcher. I like it. Yeah. Um, they they have some younger pitchers like Lively and Pavetta who have talent. They didn't have good years last year, but they had talent. Um, and they had uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not in love with their bullpen, but their bullpen just got a little better. I mean, you're if you're talking about who's going to possibly win, how many games did the Rockies win last year? 87 wins. You know, yeah, I think high 80s is good enough to punch a ticket for the postseason this yeah, year. Yeah, I think it's good. So I think I think they're like, oh, just I they just need like a veteran starting pitcher that's going to go out and throw 180 innings of like three and a half ERA. They just need that guy, and I think they could very easily compete. What if they trade for Grinky? Because oh. Grinky doesn't care. Grinky Grinky will go. He doesn't care if he's on a last-place team. He wants to know where the checks yeah. are clear. That's one of the reasons I like Grinke. If you put a pitcher like Grinky or a pitcher like Arietta on oh, this yeah. team. Well, and then we're talking – I heard there were rumors about Arietta there, which – they said Arietta, yeah, I'm just giving up on the season. And I know yeah. people have soured a bit on him. I still like him. But, yeah, that's – I mean, I wasn't even thinking that kind of guy. I was thinking just like a fine pitcher. You get Arietta. Yeah, they're yeah. they're in second. They're competing for that wild card the entire season. Look at that! Look at that! We're, we're this is how bad things are for you right now, Kate. Is the Mets are rudderless and the Phillies of all team are starting to get better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. The- Merry Christmas, yeah. everyone! Happy holidays! Yeah. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to bring you down yeah, once you're there in Florida. The, between the Mets and I'm also a Rays fan, so I'm just never enjoying baseball, and it's fine. I uh, there's my my two favorite teams. I grew up in New England, so I'm a Red Sox fan. And we moved to the Silicon Valley, and my dad's been a Giant fan since they were in the Polo Grounds. 
So my two favorite teams are the Red Sox and the Giants. And I went for years saying, am I ever going to see them win a World Series to am I ever going to not see them win the World Series? You know, I've had since 2004, the two teams I follow the closest have won six World Series titles. So I'm kind of like, I probably should never complain about anything in my life again. Yeah. No, I mean, and I know the Mets were in the World Series in 2015. I mean, I was there. I covered the games. But it just feels like decades ago. And you're probably too young to remember 86. I was not alive in 86, so yes. Oh, there you go. I was 14 uh, in 86 and and, and remembered it way too well. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you're probably sick of hearing about 86. I mean... It's fun. I like it. I like to remember when the Mets were good. 2015 was just such a fluke that it's yeah. hard for me to say, no, they were really good two years ago. They were a World Series caliber team two years ago. I mean, they technically were, but like, eh, they left, you know, Daniel Murphy looks like a Babe Ruth. That's why you were in the World Series. Yeah, and they also were, they also uh, were lucky by the insane way that the wild card is set up that you had the three best teams in baseball were St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh and Chicago canceled each other out in the wild card game. And, and the, I mean, that was the strangest. The, the Pirates probably should have won the National League pennant that year, the way they were playing down the stretch. And yet they had to play the wild card team and the Mets and the Dodgers, who were inferior in every way to the Cubs and the Pirates, but they just happened to play in different divisions. It's like you knew that only one of the three best teams in the National League were going to play in the NLCS, and either the fourth or fifth best team in the National League was going to make it also to the NLCS. So it kind of they caught a Cubs team that had to play a Pirate team and had to play a Cardinal team, and they they kind of got them a year when the Cubs were probably a year ahead of schedule. I completely, I'm not belittling the 2015 Mets and their pennant, which they earned. They beat Zink, uh, uh, Grinky, they beat Kershaw, they beat the Cubs. They earned it. But there's not a, there's not a molecule in my body that thinks that if the Pirates won the wild card game, they would not have won the pennant thing. Yeah. And look, I was sitting, I remember I was sitting in the press box during the World Series. Daniel Murphy flubs that ball and the whole press box goes, yeah, okay, this makes sense. Everything, everything broke right for them that year, that postseason. And not that they didn't deserve it, but they lucked into a lot of that. Yeah. Yep. And I'll say this too. The 06 uh, team, they got to, you know, the to within the Carlos Beltran called third of making the World Series. That was kind of a fluke, too. I mean, I hate to say it, but that was kind of a, I mean, we saw how they collapsed the next year. That was kind of a one-hit wonder. You know, the two best teams of the last two decades for the Mets have been you know, the 06 team, which they were, they deserved the pennant or they deserved the division mm. and they probably should have beaten St. Lou. Um, and the team that won the pennant in 15 were kind of everything broke right. And by the next year, it was kind of like, oh yeah, it may have been a little bit of a fluke. Yeah, once again, they build high variance teams. And when it works, they're exhilarating. And when it doesn't work, it's infuriating. 
And I would, I personally, I don't like the ups and downs. I would rather just a solid team. I would rather yeah. you you play for eighty five wins and you hope for ninety two, rather than you're aiming for either ninety five or seventy five. Well, I hate to say this, Kate, because you've been a gracious guest and everything, but I think this team is, and I'm not saying this to be a, a schmuck. <laughs> Uh, uh, this if this team is looking like a 90-loss team, and you're right, it looks like the worst kind of 90-loss team because they're going to lose 90 games with, but not be playing prospects. They're just going to be playing people with you know live human beings to fill in the various. Jose roles. Reyes is going to get 600 at bats again. Oh, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> he shouldn't even be in the league. I think people keep saying Jose Reyes is not on the team yet. Jose Reyes is going to be in that for the rest of his life. It's fine. <laughs> oh God, that's that's that's. I didn't mean to end this on such a downer. <laughs> that is my greatest goal in life: is ending every conversation in the worst way possible. Man, this is like uh, I've been pleasure having my guest Eeyore <laughs> on the show here today. Um, but yeah, I mean that's honest. That's uh, that's what the team is. So. Well, hey, uh, Kate Feldman, you write all over the place. Tell tell the listeners where we can find you. Um, I'm mostly a baseball perspective Met site. Um, I work for Hardball Times sometimes. Entertainment stuff at the New York Daily News, if you like all of that fun stuff. Um, that's about it. I think that's all for today. All right. All right. Well, and I'll, I will put links to you for your, uh, your uh, verified Twitter account. Um, on Sully Baseball, and also uh, the Twitter link to uh, uh, BP underscore Mets, which is the baseball perspective local site covering the New York Mets, which you are the uh, editor of, if I'm not mistaken. The editor-in-chief. Sorry, That's the editor-in-chief. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to underscore your, uh, <laughs> your title there. So, hey, so Kate Feldman, thanks for being part of the Sully Baseball podcast. We're looking forward to having you on when we cover the Mets and seeing them play the Rays in the World Series this year. I think it'll be a great World Series uh, between City Field and Tropicana Field. I like that plan. Thanks so much for having me. All right. And, hey, uh, you can go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can follow me on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. That's the handle there. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. The music, as always, is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking about the rudderless Mets, who will be bad but boring. This with Kate Feldman. This has been the Sully Baseball Podcast for the 15th day of December 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>